We are continuing our series, Songs uh, of the Saints. And as many of you know, we're just looking at some of the different psalms as we go through this series. And we come today, as you know from our reading, we come to Psalm 103. Now, I've got to say, Psalm 103 is one of my uh, all-time favorite psalms. And Actually, there was a point where I wasn't going to do Psalm 103 because I've, I've done it, you know, several times over the years. And I thought, oh, well, I don't want to repeat myself. Uh, but as I looked at the different options for the week, honestly, it just seemed like the Lord was saying, you know, go back to Psalm 103. So I, I'm happily um, going to open up the uh, 103rd Psalm to us today. And so this psalm, there is more in this psalm than a thousand pens could write on. It, it is one of those all-encompassing passages of scripture, which is a Bible in itself. And, uh, you know, as you think about the, the different things that are communicated in this psalm. It really is amazing how much richness is there. The psalm is a call to worship in its exhortation uh, to the soul to bless the Lord uh, for who he is and all he's done. It's also a reminder to each of us to count um, our blessings and to give glory, honor, and praise to the one from whom those blessings flow. And so we want to look at those blessings and then we want to just focus for a moment on um, the way God is revealed in this passage. And this is one of the beautiful things in these Psalms. We're, we're getting um, exhortation to praise. We're getting reminded about uh, God's faithfulness, but we're also being um, reminded about the nature of God. And that's such an important thing that we, that we really understand who God is and what he's like. And that comes out so beautifully in this psalm. So we're going to be looking at the blessings. We're going to look at the source of the blessing, which is the Lord himself. And then finally, we will look at uh, our response. And so right here from the beginning, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. So bless the Lord, O my soul. Um, you, could, you could say praise the Lord. As a matter of fact, the NIV translates this, praise the Lord. Um, and, and that's the idea, blessing the Lord, praising the Lord. And, um, you know, when we, we hear this terminology, you know, bless the Lord, O my soul, um, we're, we're really talking about with everything that's in us, as it says, all that is within me, bless his holy name. Praise the Lord. That's the uh, initial exhortation. And we're to praise the Lord for all of his benefits. And then the author of this psalm, who, by the way, is David, goes on to list those benefits for us. Who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercy, who satisfies your mouth with good things 
so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And then he goes on, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his way to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. And so let's just walk through the blessings that are enumerated here. The first, of course, is as we see, um, who forgives all of our iniquities, who forgives all of our wrongdoing, who forgives all of our sin. And, and this is amazing. You know, not, um, not everybody forgives others. Uh, there, there are plenty of people in this world today who have been offended or who have been, um, you know, sinned against in some way, shape, or form who just have committed themselves to never forgiving. And that's a, a tragic thing on, on the part of that person but I'm just saying that to remind us that there are situations where there is no forgiveness possible, but with the Lord, this is the amazing thing, with the Lord, he forgives all of our iniquities. You know, there's not a single thing that anyone has ever done, regardless of, of the heinousness of it, and there's some pretty heinous things that have been committed by human beings. Uh, but there's not a single thing that God is not willing to forgive us of because there's not a single thing that Jesus didn't die to um, make atonement for. And so he forgives all of our sins. And in doing that, he frees us, first of all, from the guilt. So we're no longer guilty before him. Now, as long as I'm going on in my sin and feeling that I don't need forgiveness, I'm not interested in that, I'm not going to seek forgiveness, uh, then I'm actually, the, the guilt of that sin remains upon me. And I will have to bear that, uh, the punishment for that guilt at some point. But when the Lord forgives us, he, he takes that guilt away. So that, that guilty conscience that haunts a person, that keeps a person awake at night or sometimes drives a person to excess, drives a person to alcoholism or drives a person to drug addiction or to bizarre neurotic behaviors, those things are often rooted in the guilt that people carry around. God takes away our guilt. And secondly, he also frees us from the shame that comes along with our sin. And, and that is uh, another, it's like a natural reaction to sin when we have a sensitive uh, conscience. You know, some people, their, their conscience, uh, the Bible refers to people whose conscience is seared with a hot iron. Those are people who feel no shame. But the, but the majority of people uh, are ashamed of their, their sin. Maybe, maybe it's even secret sins that nobody else knows about. And for them, the thought of somebody discovering this about them, this is so shameful. And, and they, they live with that. And then sometimes the, those things are exposed and we bear that shame publicly. But again, the beauty is when God forgives, he frees us from the guilt, but he also frees us from the shame. He takes the shame away and he also forgives us to the extent that 
there is no future punishment for our sin. Now, sins will bring about punishment if they are not forgiven. It's like, sins are really crimes against God. And just like we would understand in our uh, judicial system, if you commit certain crimes, there's, there's a punishment that uh, meets the crime. And, and so that is the case as well in the, in the spiritual realm. But the punishment that we deserved was actually taken by Jesus. And so God forgives our sins and frees us from the punishment that we deserve. So that's where David starts. And remember, David knew a little bit about sin. He, he, David sinned. He sinned in um, some pretty serious ways, as a matter of fact, as we know from the biblical account. And he speaks uh, in two of the Psalms, Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, he speaks about the burden of the guilt that he bore uh, because of that sin and the shame. And then he also writes, as he does here, about the beauty of the forgiveness. And so God forgives all of our iniquities. Verses 10 and 12, they, they say this. Uh, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the east, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Oh, that's so beautiful. And that's what David is, is talking about here when he said, who forgives all of your sins. And then secondly, he says, who, who heals all of your diseases. Who heals all of your diseases. You know, our bodies are made uh, by God uh, with a, this built-in uh, healing with, within them. And sometimes we fail to recognize that. Sometimes we fail to, th to think about that. We just, you know, we, we have an injury or we have a sickness or something like that. And we recover from it and we just think, oh, well, that's just, you know, that's just the way it works. That's the way the body works. But we have to stop and think that, no, God made the body to work this way. And so we recover from illness and so forth because God built that into our systems. But of course, there are times when a sickness can overwhelm us to the extent that our bodies aren't, aren't able to fight it off. And, and of course, in some cases, people die. But there's also the possibility and the reality that God might intervene and heal us. And he has done that. We see plenty of examples in the scripture where he does that. And we know of examples even um, in the present time where the Lord will do that very thing. But however we're healed, whether it's through just the body's natural processes or maybe it's through uh, medical technology, maybe it's through uh, certain medications, I think we, we need to understand that. It's God himself who's working through all of these things. He's given uh, human beings the ability to discover the things that we've discovered that bring about healing. And so whenever we're sick in any way um, and we recover, we wanna just say, thank you, Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, who heals all of our diseases. And then he says, 
who delivers our lives from destruction or who uh, redeems our life from destruction. The blessing of, of deliverance from destruction. To redeem means to, to pull out of something or more properly, it means to buy out of something. But the idea is, is of course, being delivered and he delivers us from destruction. And you know, one of the ways that he does that is that he frees us from those sinful habits that destroy our lives. We cannot forget this about sin. Sin is destructive. By its very nature, that's, that's what it does. Sin brings forth death. Now, we a lot of times don't see it that way. We, we think of sin as, well, this is a pleasurable thing. This is a desirable thing. This is something that I, I really want to do. But whenever we're thinking like that, it's because we've come under a bit of a delusion. We have to stop and think, wait a second. The end of sin is death. And so again, going back to, we, we develop these habits in our lives sometimes. Uh, these are destructive habits. And when the Lord redeems us, he redeems us from destruction by delivering us from those things that are destroying us. I know literally dozens and dozens, I could even maybe stretch it to hundreds of people whose lives have been delivered from destruction. They've been redeemed from destruction. They were on the road to destruction. They were maybe in a prison cell and looking at spending that uh, being in that place the rest of their life, or maybe they were involved in some criminal activity that would have sooner or later led to their ultimate destruction. Um, and God redeemed them. And I, I look at them today and I think amazing, absolutely amazing. And, and I see in them this, just the truth of this passage, how he redeems our lives from destruction. And then he goes on and he says that he crowned us with loving kindness and tender mercy. He crowns us with loving kindness. Um, this word, I, I actually learned this. I'd never heard this before. I learned it from um, our missions pastor, John Chubek. He was uh, sharing with us recently. And there, this, there's a Hebrew word here that is translated loving kindness. And the word is um, hesed. And it's translated, um, oftentimes it's translated as mercy and at other times it's translated as unfailing love. The word is very, very difficult to translate with any one English word. It's just talking about this, this rich love that is tender and, and so forth. But the thing that John pointed out that I didn't know uh, was that William Tyndale, the, the great um, Bible translator, the one who is probably primarily responsible for our English translations uh, back in the 1500s when he lived, um, as he was translating, he came to this word and he couldn't find an existing English word to translate it with. And so he made up the word loving kindness. He, he made up several words that are uh, found, they were found originally in his English text, but they're words that are common to us today. But this is one of them. So he crowns us 
with loving kindness and tender mercy. So that's, that's like the crown on our heads. Loving kindness and tender mercy. That is such a beautiful picture. And then it goes on to say that he satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. He satisfies us with good things. So, so as, we're, as we're just reading through these things, these are the things that David says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Because look at all that God has done for us. And I know I'm guilty of this, and I would imagine that you probably would be to some degree as well. Uh, isn't it true that so often we fail to see all of the good things that God has done, and we just tend to focus in on the things that aren't that good or the problems or the difficulties or the challenges that we're having or the, or the discomfort. And, you know, here we are in this time of, of the coronavirus and we're taken out of our comfort zone and we're radically inconvenienced and, you know, all of these kinds of things. And, and I think there's a big temptation at a time like this to just dwell on the negative stuff and just to be bummed out. And, you know, the scriptures would exhort us in the, in the, the other direction that we, we don't want to go there. No, let, let's think about all the good things that God has done. Despite the, the current situation, yes, it's difficult and it's unpleasant and it's inconvenient and it's all those things. And of course, for some people, it's, it's way more than that. Uh, but for those that are still you know, healthy and haven't really been affected by the virus, maybe they've even had it and it's, it wasn't a big deal and they passed through and they're fine, but now they still got to wear a mask and all of this stuff. Um, you know, this, this is the kind of stuff we, we focus on that when we need to stop and pause and say, you know, okay, all of that is maybe, um, it's an inconvenience for sure, but man, the Lord is good. And look at the blessings that he has given to us. And, and think of all of the, the wonderful things that are still ours because of the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God. So he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. And then I, I want to touch on verse um, six and uh, seven for a moment because he says, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Now, the reason I want to focus on this verse for just a moment is because normally when I would teach this psalm, I would not give a whole lot of time to that portion because it's just referring back to what happened, you know, with the children of Israel. But many, many years ago, actually decades ago, I'll never forget this, I, I taught this message um, and uh, I taught it in a place where uh, it wasn't a normal church service. I, I was doing a service in a, in a, a different kind of a location and, and just people who were tourists came in and attended the service. And I taught this passage and afterwards a woman came up to me and she introduced herself and she happened to be a minister herself of a, a church that would be a mainline Protestant denomination, uh, theologically a very liberal church. And she, she sort of challenged me. She sort of took me to task as to why I didn't really focus on verses six and seven. 
And she said, you know, you touched on all of the verses, but you kind of just passed over verses six and seven. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed and so forth. And I said, well, yeah, I guess I did do that and wasn't really relevant to what I was talking about. And she went on to say, well, it's a very relevant passage uh, and we need to think about this because there's all kinds of injustice and we need to fight against injustice and so forth. And um, again, like I said, I'll never forget that. It's over 30 years ago, easily, that that happened. But, you know, she was right. She was right. As I've thought about it over the years, um, we, we do sometimes, we tend to focus so much on the, the personal aspect and application of these passages that we forget that God also wants to deal with the bigger picture of injustice. He wants to deal with the bigger picture of um, you know, bringing righteousness into societies and so forth. So I have taken that to heart and realized that um, God works, of course, in all of our lives individually, but he wants to work through our lives to impact our um, surroundings, our community, our society uh, collectively. And one of the things that he wants to do is he wants us to be... Um, you know, champions of justice and righteousness and doing what we can as Christian individuals and as the, the people of God, the body of Christ, um, doing things to, to try to see um, a more equitable society. And, um, you know, what's happened in the, in the evangelical world is we've sort of put such a focus and emphasis on my individual salvation and the forgiveness of my sins and I'm going to heaven. And all of that is good. That's, I mean, you have to have that. Without that, there, there isn't anything else. That's the beginning point. But we have oftentimes neglected that other side. And we thought, oh, well, you know, the, the problems in society, poor people and racism and all of that, that's, that's not for us to really uh, worry about or, or try to deal with. But actually it is. And so I'm, I'm just sharing this because I think as we move forward as a, as a congregation, as, as a body of people, as Christian people, as we move uh, out of COVID and into kind of the new world that we're coming into, I don't think it's an accident that COVID and all of these justice issues, issues have kind of overlapped with one another. And I think God is wanting to teach us something through it. And so he is the God who has a high priority on the execution of righteousness and of justice. And of course, part of delivering Moses and the children of Israel from Egypt was to bring them out of that unjust situation. And so, just wanted to um, touch on that. But before we move on really quickly uh, to just briefly look at um, the, the source of the blessing, I want to go back to just the idea of God's goodness. And God has set his affection permanently on us and he showered us with his goodness. And A.W. Tozer in his classic book, The Knowledge of the Holy, uh, he said this about the goodness of God and I just want to read it to us. He said, the goodness of God is that which disposes him to be kind, cordial, benevolent, and full of good toward men. He is tender-hearted and of quick sympathy 
and his unfailing attitude toward all moral beings is open, frank, and friendly. By his nature, he is inclined to bestow blessedness and he takes holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. So all of these things that we're looking at, he forgives us, he heals us, he delivers us, he crowns us with loving kindness and so forth. This is all part of his goodness. And as Tozer so beautifully said, he is inclined to bestow by his nature blessedness and to take holy pleasure in the happiness of his people. So, man, I just want to praise the Lord for for who he is. And so that takes us into the source of the blessing. So bless the Lord. And we, we talked about this in a previous Psalm, but we have to keep coming back to who God is and to the nature of God. So bless the Lord. This is, this is Yahweh. We know that God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And verses 13 and 14 These are the verses that really speak to us about uh, just that, that compassionate nature of God. Let me read them. As a father pities his children. Well, wait, let's, let's back up. Uh, Let's go back to verse eight. Verse eight says, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. So, the Lord is merciful and gracious. This is, this is who God is. This, is. this is his character. This is his nature. This is, this is his disposition. He is merciful and he is gracious. He is slow to anger and he abounds or he overflows with mercy. And then it goes on, it says that he will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquity. And then as the heavens are high uh, above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed their transgressions from us. And now here it is, verse 13, as a father pities his children. So the Lord pities those who fear him. He knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. Oh, I love that. that those, those verses right there are really the verses that um, are always catch my eye, always draw me in when I read them. And I've said this before, but I think it's worth saying again that I came to understand these things even um, better when I became a father. Now, I've been a father for many, many years now. And, uh, and yet I, I, I think about my own experience of fatherhood with my children and now with my grandchildren. And when I think of, of my heart for them, that helps me to understand God's heart for his children. And that's really what, um, that's really what David is talking about. As a, as, as a father has compassion, or here it says pity, uh, as a father has compassion or pity on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows our frame and he knows that we are dust. In other words, God knows our fragility. 
God knows our weakness. God knows our vulnerability. God knows that we can't carry the weight of the world around on our shoulders. God knows that about us. And he deals with us according to that knowledge. Um, Tim Keller wrote this. He said, parents know their children's besetting sins. Yet a good father loves his children anyway. And it's so true. Indeed, the more weak and needy a child is, the more the father's heart goes out to him or her. So God knows us to the bottom, yet nevertheless loves us to the skies, literally. God does not just pardon our sins. He adopts us into his family, giving us his love access in prayer, a share in the inheritance of his glory, and even his family resemblance, the Holy Spirit, which produces God's own character in us. That's so true. That this is how God is. And this psalm, if it doesn't teach us anything else, let it teach you about God and what God's heart is really like and how, and you know, maybe I, I talk about my experience as a father. I could talk a little bit about my experience with my father, um, which had some difficulties and challenges in, in parts of life, but I can say to this day, I appreciate um, my father very much. But maybe you didn't have a father that you could look to, and maybe you've never been a father or a mother. Um, but know this, that if you've ever met anybody that you, that you have thought, man, I wish that was my father or I wish that was my mother uh, because you see in them just that, what you think a parent should be, well, that's God just magnified millions of times over. And so know that, take that to heart. And of course, um, as David is elaborating on these things and then he speaks uh, once again of our own frailty. Uh, he knows our frame. God knows our frame. He remembers we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass as a flower of the field. We've heard this a few times in our Psalms already. Uh, the wind passes over it and it is gone. Its place remembers it no more. So our lives are brief. They come and go. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. His righteousness to grandchildren. Oh, I'm so thankful for that. And to great-grandchildren and just on and on uh, in the generations of those who fear him. And so David comes back at the end of the psalm. He comes back with this refrain. Um, verse 20, bless the Lord. And so here, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his host. And so bless the Lord, you angels. Bless the Lord, all of his host. His, the host is, sometimes it's a reference to angels, but I think he's making a distinction between the two. The host is that um, just the, as you look up into the night sky and you see the starry host, and there we have the planets and we have the sun and the moon and all of those things. Uh, David is calling upon all of the host to bless the Lord. And then you ministers of his who do his pleasure, bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. And then finally, bless the Lord, O my soul. 
Bless the Lord. And so as we, as we think about it, we have so many reasons to bless the Lord. And you know, sometimes it's helpful to just sit down and, uh, you know, count your blessings. I mean, especially if you're having a bad day, especially if you feel like everything's going wrong, everything's against you, you know, just pause, sit down, take a pen and paper and, and just start writing down the blessings. And as you do that, let your heart just well up with rejoicing. Now I wanna uh, finish with a final quote here. Uh, C.H. Spurgeon, the great Victorian era preacher, he said this, he said, many are our faculties, emotions, and capacities, but God has given them all to us and they ought all to join in chorus to his praise. Half-hearted, ill-conceived, unintelligent praises are not such as we should render to our loving Lord. If the law of justice demanded all our heart and soul and mind for the creator, that's the Old Testament, right? Much more may the law of gratitude put in a comprehensive claim for the homage of our whole being to the God of grace. So what he's saying, in other words, is if under the old covenant, there was that love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And under the old covenant period, we didn't even understand the depths of God's grace. How much more now that we know the grace of God through Jesus Christ, how much more should our hearts burst forth with that blessing of the Lord? And so reflect on, the benefits that God has given. Think about what he's done for you and, and, and take time. You know, maybe just sometime during each week. I think if we, if we just sort of stopped in the middle of the week and recalibrated by sitting down and just saying, I'm, I'm just gonna think about the goodness of the Lord. You know, that would probably do wonders for us. I think it indeed would. Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's thank him and praise him and let's honor him um, and let's honor him with an obedient life. See, that's how we really show uh, our appreciation for all he's done for us is that, Lord, you've done so much for me. In return, I just want to do your will. But as I mentioned earlier in the Message, Of course, all of this, you know, forgiving our sins and healing our diseases and redeeming us from destruction, this is all fully brought to us and realized through something that had not yet happened when David wrote this psalm, and that was the death of Jesus on our behalf. And we know the death of Jesus, of course, was preceded or or, uh, preceded the resurrection of Jesus. But it's because of what Jesus did in giving his life for us, laying down his life for us who he called his friends. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. And we have the opportunity as his people and all of God's people for all these generations have had this opportunity afforded to us. Jesus left, it, left, left this with us. Remember, he said, take this bread and drink this cup 
And as you do, remember me. And so we have that blessing today of being able together as the people of God, uh, not only to talk about all that God has done through Christ and all the blessings that uh, belong to us because of him, but we have this opportunity to tangibly really remember it as we share together in the bread and in the cup.